From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 244, and today's show is brought to you by Borrow, FreshBooks, and Eero. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snow. Hi, Mr. Jason Snow. Hello, Mr. Mike Hurley. It's good to talk to you again, yes. again, yes. again. We've been spending a lot of time uh, together over this past weekend. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, we have a hashtag Snow Talk question, which comes from Eric this week. And Eric wants to know, Jason... With one month to go until WWDC, what non-Apple-related thing are you most looking forward to? So none of the announcements. Like, what is the thing that you're most looking forward to uh, that is about WWDC but is not anything that would be in the keynote itself? Uh, you know, I <laughs> this is cheating and stupid, and yet it's absolutely true, which is it's the post-keynote upgrade. That's Isn't the that answer. Fun? Because I am, you know, let's assume that I get my invite and I go to the event. Um, like, what happens next is an adrenaline-fueled uh, fast walk to a hotel. Yep. yep. And, and, and uh, or Airbnb or whatever. It's been a hotel the last last couple of years. But, and, uh, and then, you know, you're there with the microphone set up. And a and sandwich. Like, All right. <laughs> and maybe a sandwich. As yeah, that's, that's, our new, that's our new innovation mm-hmm. is also a sandwich so that I don't collapse. Because it's already, like, past lunchtime and yep. then we're going to talk for two hours. Uh, but it, that is uh, really exciting. And the, the, we, we swamp the live stream, which reminds me we got to get the live server moved over to a... <laughs> better box before mm-hmm. uh before this happens so that it can mm-hmm. withstand more power that that's the most exciting thing because that's the like quick hit you know uh, and everything's out there at that moment and yep. you've you've found out things that i don't know because i'm in the keynote bubble it's fa- that's a that's the greatest moment of the week for it's me. the best is, show of the year like it's my yeah. favorite show of the year um i absolutely adore that episode of upgrade like it's it's just wild and everything's happening <laughs> and as we're recording more is happening because yes. we have no idea about it. it's it's great it's a it's a really good time uh and yeah i i would agree with you actually that is definitely one of my key key highlights thank you to eric for the hashtag snell talk question if you would like to submit a question to open a future episode of upgrade just send in a tweet with the hashtag snell talk and it will be maybe included in a future episode we have a i think this will probably be the last warning for Dongletown Surf Club merch, go to UpgradeYourWardrobe.com to get our wonderful summer-themed merchandise. Summer of Fun is fast on its way, so you've got to go down to the beach and join the Dongletown Surf Club, pick up a tee or a tank top. We have tote bags and the dongle towel. Yes, a Dongletown beach towel, which everybody wants. You can wrap up all of your dongles in a towel and like tie them on a stick and go walk out. You know. always know where your towel is, yeah. Or you mm-hmm. can just buy a tote bag and put them all in there. That's completely I up guess. to you. Whatever. The dongle tote. Uh, we also have the original Dongle Town T-shirt on sale as well. Uh, it's available until May thirteenth and should hopefully arrive before WWDC for US buyers. So just one week left. Go and pick them up at upgradeyourwardrobe.com. I was very excited over the weekend because I got to make my debut appearance on the Incomparable. Mm-hmm. How did I do, Jason? You did. You did just fine. Although I did, while editing it back, uh, notice what you pointed out after we recorded, which is that. Um, at the beginning of the show, you sort of thought it was Mike at the movies, and then you realized there were like 10 other people on the podcast. I kind of monopolized the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very used to talking to you in a very specific way. And uh-huh. I think like you asked me a question, 
and then we just had a conversation. Uh, and then I had to remember, oh no, there's other people here. But then what happened to me later on in the episode is I had that thing that everybody mentions where I didn't talk for like 15 minutes because I was just listening to The Incomparable. So... You know, it works in both ways, really. There was a moment I was like, oh, I'm on this episode. I'm not just listening to it. So I, mm-hmm. it's, uh, so if you are keen to know mine and Jason's opinions about Avengers Endgame, um, there is episode 458 of The Incomparable. There will be a link in our show notes as well, so you can go and listen to that. Uh, I was, you know, I, I feel like at this point, in my podcasting career, I have got to live out all of the little goals and dreams that I have for myself at this point. Like I've been lucky enough to like hit them all off. This was one of them, Jason. So thank you oh, nice. for having me on the show. Cause I've been listening to the incomparable for so many years and I've always wanted to be on the main show. And we finally found something that one, I cared about enough and I had something to say on and two, it was recorded at a time uh, yeah, not, that I not, could do. Not recorded at 7 p.m. Pacific time, in mm-hmm. other words, while you're as fast as Very asleep at that point. So, yeah, very very much so. That's, yes, 458, San Francisco Rat is the title. Those of you who have seen Endgame know the, uh, no spoilers, but a rat from San Francisco saves the universe. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good episode. Uh, it was really fun over the week to see the clips that people were pulling from the episode from Overcast's new clips feature. Uh, turns out lots of people like to understand how lasers are made. Yeah, uh, that was probably among the silliest moments in that episode. And I think we passed the test, which I, I knew we would pass, which is that are people going to clip the important thoughts that we have? or Are they going to clip the ridiculous things we say? And uh, it was very clearly going to be the latter. And it was. <laughs> so now we know uh, what the good lasers sound like and the garbage lasers sound like. And I feel like we learned a lot. And uh, those moments come completely unplanned, too, which is part of the joy of them is you just kind of do a podcast. And then afterward, people are making clips and you're like, oh, yeah, we did that, didn't we? <laughs> oh, all right. It was funny, though, because I think we both expected uh, that people would be clipping the the Batman uh, comment, right? Like Batman joining yeah. the Marvel Universe. Oh, that was funny I like to that me. part. Uh, that was very funny. But yeah, the lasers part was very good. I did enjoy listening back to it. So again, thank you to everybody who is sharing clips of the show. Um, and also thank you to everybody that included us on that because I think that's really nice to see. It's just a nice feedback mechanism for me um, to know what people like about the show. So that's great. Um, and then the ongoing saga of Photoshop for iPad, I got an email. I'm not sure why I got this email. I, I assume I must have signed up for a mailing list. Yeah, I um, got it too. Okay, so there must have been like I don't remember. I think, I think. No, when it was they, like let us know it. You know, let me know if you have more to announce about Photoshop yeah, on the iPad that must have or been whatever. It. That must have been it. Well, uh, on May the ninth, um, Adobe have a little conference I think in New York, and they're doing a presentation about Photoshop for iPad on May the ninth. So we're going to find out more then this week, just a couple of days, about what's happening in Photoshop for the iPad. So still very much uh, a product in Photoshop's lineup. Yeah, sure. And Brendan wrote in, along with many others, but Brendan was first, to recommend uh, a website, that rewind.website. They have a feature called Cast Rewinder as an option for Jeff, who asked in the Ask Upgrade last week about a way to create, to basically to take a podcast that you want to listen to from the beginning and be able to listen to it from the start. Well, this website, you can feed it an RSS feed and it will generate a new RSS feed for you that will basically publish an episode for you on a time frame. So... It will basically help you publish episodes as if they were new again. So you could go back to, I don't know, episode one of 
Hello from the Magic The Adventure Cabin, Zone. Or the Adventure yeah, oh, Zone. Sure. And right. then they would pop up for you uh, on an interval. So this is a really cool feature, uh, a really cool thing, but would still be brilliant to have in all the great podcast apps. Yeah, it's a nice hack, but I would I would much rather have podcast apps support this. And I would okay. like to just provide one last <laughs> piece of follow-up from number one upgradian, uh, Casey, who we have the summer of fun. Casey recommended The Autumn of Awkward, which I think is brilliant. Uh, so we're going to have to take that one. So thank you, right. number one upgradian, Casey. So. Yes, we'll put that in our pocket and, and deploy it when necessary. And, and that might be this year only, uh, but as you said, it's going to get real weird this this year. And the autumn of awkward is uh, what we will be going into after the summer of fun. I, I realize we've, um, by the way, just to pr- forward promote our summer of fun because Mike and I are both putting uh, lots of items on. You put items on the calendar, and you start to think, "Oh boy, like this is going to." If if you're in our business, it's like this is going to require some scheduling mm-hmm. because I'm going to be out here and you're going to be out here and we're going to do this thing and all that. Um, and so we started planning this year, uh, like a month ago, uh, a summer fun document with our ideas for the kind of off format episodes we want to do during the summer of fun. And when it, when that starts, there's nothing in it, right? Like when it starts, it's like one dumb idea for a draft of something. And then that's about it. I feel like in the last week, week and a half, um, we have gone... Now I have I'm at the point where I have more summer of fun ideas than there are weeks in the summer of fun. <laughs> this is good, this which is, good. is perfect. That's what we yeah. want because that means we get to pick the best of the best for our exactly because they can't all be gems, episodes. right? No, so you got to well, pick the winners. They can when we do them because oh, we pick okay. only the winners. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Let's move into a couple of upstream uh, pieces of news. There are a lot of uh, this is some news in streaming media. There were a lot of upfronts last week, which is when the TV networks start showing off what they have to advertisers. So there was a bunch of news, a bunch of shows being uh, displayed, but there are a couple of things that were interesting to me uh, because we've we've touched on some of these themes in the past. So we may remember that the Obama family was creating a production company for Netflix programming. Um, The production company is called Higher Ground, and they debuted their slate of programming for Netflix. Um, it is a selection of scripted and unscripted projects. There are seven in total that have been announced, which will be released over several years. Um, the two that were highlighted uh, specifically were one was called The Fifth Risk, which is by Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis yeah. is responsible for the books Moneyball and The Big Short. So it's an adaptation of another one of Michael Lewis's books. Yeah, it's a, it's a book about kind of horrific things involving uh, government Things you don't understand that government agencies do mm-hmm. and how they do things to protect uh, the United States and humanity from terrible things and that uh, and how dysfunction in those agencies can uh, can put people at risk. And uh, it, it was, uh, I think, initially a long form magazine article and then adapted into something larger. And it is when you when you if you've read that article or that book, you realize why the Obamas might have wanted this to be uh, uh, something on on their slate because it is it is kind of fits in with their their thoughts about like responsible government and is you know pretty much a direct like, like the Lewis book anyway a direct uh, shot at the way the current administration has handled government agencies so it's not it, it, it's 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 political although they, they are definitely spinning it as being kind of like more it's a about the people everyday heroes who are in the government trying to take care of us. If I'm remembering rightly, wasn't didn't they say they didn't want to be political? 
Well, it's right. It's yeah, it, but except it's not like explicitly political. But I mean, if if you sign Obama, I mean, you're not signing the, the Obamas if you're Netflix in order to get like an action movie, right? Like, yeah, you're expecting why, some some political leaning stuff. Yeah, but but trying to kind of like have it be like, well, we're rising above it though, higher ground, and talking <laughs> about like important issues that everybody should care about is sort of the the pitch. I, there. Anyway, I'm gonna say I really rolled my eyes when I saw the name of the production yeah. company. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, this will be a TV series, though. It's not going to be a movie. Um, yeah. So I, I I like. I mean, I love Moneyball and The Big Short. So. You know, I mean, I know that they're great movies because they have great actors and great directors and all that sort of stuff. But like, obviously, the source material is super interesting as well. So yeah, that could be really interesting. As they also focused on a World War II period drama called Bloom. It will be focusing on the barriers faced by women and people of color around this time. Um, but it's super interesting thing is it's being written by uh, Callie Curry, who won an Oscar for Thelma and Louise. So. Mm-hmm. Big names behind some of this stuff. Yeah, and they have a bunch of, like, there's some children's stuff and some uh, scripted, unscripted stuff. So there's a lot of projects from the Higher Ground production company. And Hulu is getting some Marvel TV shows. Adaptations of Ghost Rider and Hellstrom will be live-action shows launching in 2020. Hulu has... uh, There's been an announced slate of um, animated shows, Marvel shows, for them in the past. Uh, but it seems like this is where all the Netflix-style, live-action, violent stuff is going to go to Hulu now instead of Disney+. Plus. Yeah, there's some interesting uh, quirks about this. So the Disney Plus stuff is being produced by Marvel Studios, which is the movie studio. And it's the first time that really the movie studio with the movie studio actors is doing TV. The, uh, the, the Hulu shows are being done by um, Marvel TV, which is not the movie studio. And it's run by a different group of people. And it will be, you know, uh, like the Ghost Rider show, the guy who's going to star in that was Ghost Rider on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right, on mm-hmm. ABC. So um, this is this is the split that's, that I find interesting, is that they're kind of saving their super high-gloss movie actors stuff for Disney+. Plus, But there are other Marvel properties that they can produce uh, that can go somewhere else, and most of that is probably going to go to Hulu now. I do, th- I do want to point out. Let's see. So, Runaways is already on Hulu. That's a Marvel show, and Cloak and Dagger is on Freeform, which is a cable channel owned by Disney. So, there, there may be other places that Marvel properties kind of slot, but I think we've seen a demarcation here where the like super prestige, you know, these people from the movies, direct spinoffs from things that are in theaters, is going to go to Disney Plus. And other cheaper Marvel content will go to places like Hulu. That's that's my yeah. guess. And maybe maybe other more adult adaptations like um, uh, 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 Legion is a good example, which is wrapping up on FX. That's a show that is uh, not a you know not not cheaper. It's actually kind of prestige TV, but it is uh, you know be, because it was x-men related it was on a fox channel and all that but now disney owns all that stuff so uh we may see in other outlets too other marvel stuff but it is a fascinating division where the tv people are doing kind of like this stuff over here and the movie people are doing this stuff over here for disney plus i can imagine logistically it making sense right like if it's all the movie actors let's just keep them in the system that they're already 
tuned to rather than moving all this stuff over to yeah. there, right? Like, and, and there's there's corporate politics involved yep. here too yep. because like Kevin Feige, who do, who runs Marvel Studios, used to work for Ike Perlmutter, who's the head of of Marvel, and uh, by many accounts, an all kind of awful human being. And uh, finally, they and and he didn't want to do that anymore. And they're like, you know, you've made billions of dollars for Disney. We're gonna we're gonna move you under uh, the head of motion pictures for Disney instead and out of Marvel. But what that means now is that there are basically two different uh, chains of responsibility inside Disney for Marvel uh, yep. filmed content. And uh, so they probably have some various you know, sort of dividing lines about who Just runs what. The corporate what. politics of Marvel must be immense at this point. I don't. I don't entirely understand why Ike Perlmutter, who is the guy who, you know, his claim to fame is basically that he bought Marvel and, and took it out of bankruptcy. And um, when he sold, when they sold it to Disney, I kind of expected him to walk away and he won't go away. Like he's still, he's still there. And so now I kind of feel like the, the conditions of the sale must have included that Ike gets to run Marvel for as long as he wants. And he's an older gentleman as long as he wants is going to have its limits. But now I'm starting to feel like he's just, he's not going to let go of Marvel uh, until he's unable to do the job anymore, which is just I, I I find that so bizarre, and that people really chafe under him, and he's notoriously cheap. I hear from people you know who are uh, who've worked for Marvel that like despite all that money from Disney and all of that, like Disney doesn't run Marvel as a uh, doesn't spend money on it to have it be like this generator of intellectual property. Instead, they run a really tight ship, and they're super cheap, um, which I find. I mean, I get it from a business sense of like, well, we're we're not going to fund this thing and have it lose lots of money because it's a business. But on the other hand, it's sort of like, yeah, but it's generated tens of billions of dollars for you in terms of the intellectual property it's generated. Maybe you could just use it for that and, and it can lose a little money in the comics business, but you're going to make it all back in the movie side. But that's not how they run it. And that's definitely not how Ike Perlmutter runs it. <laughs> so... Yeah, it is. It is. So the, the idea that there are these two completely different groups making filmed entertainment under the Marvel banner and that somehow they have to differentiate like who gets what, right? Like I assume Kevin Feige can say like, I want this character hands off. And he apparently was like, yeah, you can have Ghost Rider. <laughs> you can have Hellstrom, whatever. You've got to imagine that's the case, right? That like if Feige wants someone, wants to make a movie about a character, right? Well, that's that's just his prerogative. You, you've got to, you got to think that. So now that they've got all the, the X-Men and stuff like that, you presumably, I don't think there's a draft, right? I don't think there's a draft no. where Kevin Feige and Ike Perlmutter or Jeff Loeb, who runs Marvel TV, sit down and it's like, okay, well, I got a Wolverine. And they're like, damn it. Okay, I guess I'll take Storm, right? <laughs> like, I don't think that's happening. I imagine that they go through all the mutants and are like, okay, we're taking all these mutants and you can have the rest, uh, Marvel TV. I don't know. It's weird. Corporate politics are strange. Even at Disney, it's super strange. Today's episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Burrow. There's nothing quite like getting home after a long day and collapsing onto the sofa to relax, and it is even better when you have a Burrow sofa, which is the luxury couch for real life. Burrow was created by a couple of students who thought that there must be a better way to buy furniture rather than dealing with limited showrooms, long delivery waits, and awkward, and awkward deliveries themselves. That is why Burrow lets you easily customize a high-quality sofa online, which can be shipped for free in one week. Burrow were recently named one of the world's most innovative companies by Fast Company because they let you build a sofa that suits you. You can choose from five fabrics, three leg finishes, 
two armrest styles and at any length. You can actually even add a chaise lounge or ottoman to your sofa as well. It's scratch and stain resistant, so you don't have to worry about spills. It has a built-in USB charger, so you can charge your devices right from your sofa, which is a sentence I never thought that I would say, but I love that I get to say it. It's made of high-quality materials like sustainably sourced hardwood instead of flimsy particle board, and they offer a curated selection of hand-woven pillows to help jumpstart your interior style. The great thing about Burrow sofas is that they're like modular, so you kind of build them up in components. What that means is they can be shipped in smaller boxes. I had a corner sofa. We bought one a few years ago. I live in an apartment building. The fear of whether that sofa was going to make it to my home was very strong. Uh, And with Burrow, you don't have to have these kinds of worries, which is really incredible if you're in the market for a new sofa give your living room an upgrade with burrow that's set you can get 75 dollars off a new sofa and free one week shipping by going to burrow.com slash upgrade that is b-u-r-r-o-w.com slash upgrade for 75 dollars off your order a thanks to burrow for their support of this show and relay fm mike my mind is still spinning about the idea that that uh there should there could be a draft between Marvel Studios. Yeah, I've been Marvel thinking about D. it a lot. It's a future incomparable <laughs> episode there. So just um, I'm writing it down, writing that one down. Well, only if you do it where somebody gets to be Kevin Feige and oh, yeah. just basically gets all twelve picks first, and then everybody ah, else picks the that's rest. True. <laughs> that's true. That would be that would be less entertaining than sectioning up mutants one by one to see where they go next. Let's talk about Apple's Q2 results. More corporate politics. Well, sort of, kind of, sort of. Let me give uh, some brief overview to some of the highlights, and then we can dig into some more of the interesting details. Uh, Apple achieved $58 billion in revenue, which fell within the guidance. Congratulations this time for doing that. Uh Uh, Revenue is down. Profit is down because the iPhone is down 17% year over year. Services are up 16%, sitting at $11.4 billion in revenue now. Other products, the category the, other products is Well, up. it's not other products anymore, right? It's wearables and uh, home and accessories. That's now. It's it. not Thank other. You. They rebranded it. It's a much more exciting brand now. It's uh, not other. other. Nobody is excited about other getting bigger, but wearables, they're very excited. About. Very excited. iPad is up 22% year on year and doing great, especially when you mm-hmm. consider... This is just iPad Pro. This does not count the Airs and the Minis. So we're hoping for came continued in very, success. Very late, yeah. And that's that's the biggest single uh, growth year-over-year boost in six years. Six years, six years for the iPad. Mac is down 5%. We'll get to why in a bit because that actually gives mm. some interesting details on that. Q3 guidance is between 52 to $54 billion, which is just about where they were last year. So it is possible that Apple could beat the current trend and go up year on year slightly in Q3. So that would be good for them, right? To not have three quarters in a row where they're down revenue. Uh, But so we'll see about that. And Wall Street hates surprises. So that's the thing about guidance, why we talk about guidance and why even though revenue was down, profit was down, iPhone sales were down, the stock didn't fall apart. In fact, it went up. Mm -hmm. Is the And you're like, why would they do that? The answer is, Three months ago, they gave guidance and said, we think we're going to fall into this category in terms of our revenue next quarter. And so they told everybody that. So that's priced into the stock. That was priced into the stock. And they landed it, right? They landed at the high side of their guidance. So Wall Street doesn't like being taken by surprise. They like not being taken by surprise. And so when Apple announced these results, even though they're not very good uh, by Apple standards, 
Wall Street was like, great, you did it. You you did what you said. You're you're back in control of your own story here. And uh, and then their new guidance is even better. And then some of the things we'll get to, they were very positive about. So it is kind of funny, though, to see a, a story where Apple, uh, you know, had a quarter where the iPhone went down 17% year over year mm-hmm. and the stock went up. But it did. But like this was why when Apple had to do that adjustment, it was such a big story because they got it wrong. That's right. And that's right. That's when, wrong don't surprise bad. Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, don't do, do not it. Surprise it's not good. <laughs> they will not be happy. Right, because no. this is, you know, we talk about this every single quarter, right? Like, this is what it is. It's about hitting the numbers you were supposed to hit. And yep. and then that's where that's what that's the game that is being played. So as you can imagine, Apple are very happy about all the things that are going right. So sure. <laughs> uh, iPad growth, it's uh, hit an all time high in active iPad usage. This is just right. great news for me. I mean, we'll get into later on, like a little bit about how iPad and other stuff compares to the overall business. As we are moving towards the WWDC where we're hoping for more iPad changes, this is the type of stuff as an iPad user that you want to see. That like the product itself is doing better because it must reinforce the ability for advocates inside of Apple who are working on and care about the iPad to be able to get the development resource that they need to improve it if the product yep. itself is getting better. Right. So the growth is good. It's been it's been mostly growth. I think it's six out of the last eight quarters that's had year over year growth. Uh, they talk a lot about iPad usage being an all-time high. It's the strongest quarter in six years. And as we said earlier, iPad Pro is the bulk of this. They cited that. They said the iPad Pro is really what's driving this. We we did release a new iPad Air and a new iPad Mini in you know late in the quarter, but it was late in the quarter. And most of what you're seeing here is the iPad Pro. And I think that's great because not only is there room for those other iPads to continue to you know lift the uh, lift the boat here, but um, it is a good sign that iPad Pro sales continue to be strong. Um, and the wearables home accessory group is yeah. clearly driven by AirPods, uh, which is a product that is going for a renaissance. I think the Apple Watch, they said they had its best non-holiday quarter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always parse what Tim Cook says about Apple Watch sales because they don't reveal Apple Watch sales. I mean, they don't reveal any sales now, but like trying to get a, a handle. Yeah, they never reze- revealed Apple Watch sales, did they? Exactly. But AirPods is the one where, like, again, huge demand, couldn't fulfill it. Uh, it's definitely a hit product, driving a lot of the sales in that uh, in that category. Yeah, and also doesn't include the new ones, I guess, right? Or would it just or just late in the process? Again, it's one yeah. of those things where, yeah, it might be, they, they they're in there, but they're not. They weren't in there for all mm-hmm. three quarters of or all three months of the quarter. And of course, they're very excited about services growth, and we're talking a lot about future offerings. Um, the services growth is great. I mean, it's continued. Sixteen percent is huge, and mm-hmm. is you know, especially when nothing changed, right? Like the, in, in that quarter in Q two, there were no new services offerings that Apple was selling, right? Right, but it just continues to grow. The beauty of services is uh, it doesn't have. Uh, peak quarters. It's not seasonal because you just sign up for a service and you keep paying every month or every quarter or whatever. Um, And then it's additive because you keep adding new people paying for new services and it keeps going up. So services has grown for uh, like every quarter basically in the last five years or something like that. Let me ask you a question. Within a reasonable period of time, maybe five years or so, do you think that Apple could be making most of their revenue from services? Well, so this quarter was interesting in that services hit 20% of, of revenue. iPhone is 
because iPhone's been going down, it is now uh, around half yep. the revenue, but services is at twenty percent. I don't know. I, I think I, I think the first <laughs> the the first uh, ten going from ten to twenty might be the easiest for services. But they're trying, right? They're trying. Yeah. They're launching all these other services. So I, I think it's a really good question, and I don't I don't think that's likely but there is a real good question to say like in five years what percentage of apple's uh, revenue portfolio is services and is it more like 30 or 40 percent because i, I could imagine there 20. being some quarters where it's the most because as you say right like it doesn't go down it's not seasonal right like once people are in they're just in and you just keep adding more people like right. I, I could imagine at least a quarter like if there was a bad iphone quarter or whatever it's just like a quiet quarter where it's like oh took over like it, it doesn't seem like an impossible thing to me especially when like you know apple haven't been focusing for too long on services in a in a way that they'd be able to make meaningful change but they have three monthly <laughs> payment services debuting this year at yeah. least right so like if you can just keep capturing those people getting to give you more and more money it, it seems you, know, you can see why they're doing it basically is what i'm getting at because this is this is this money on the table for them. Um, there's a quote about Apple TV Plus um, that I know you found particularly interesting. So Tim says, "We think that most users are going to get multiple over-the-top products." We're talking about TV subscription services, and we're going to do our best to convince them that Apple TV Plus products should be one of them. One of yeah, them. This this is Tim setting. This is Tim. Hello, this, this is Tim. Tim. This is Tim setting. I think setting expectations for Apple TV Plus, saying, look, we want to be in the mix. He's not saying, well, we think that people are going to pick our offering because it's the best and this is what they're going to use to watch TV. They're like, look, people are going to subscribe to a bunch and we want to be one of them. That's I'm so all he's happy that here. they're talking about it this way because otherwise they are going to get ruined, right? Like if, if they want to roll in here and be like, we have the best one, everyone should just get ours. Like that's not going to work yeah. for no, them. Well, it's it's impossible because that's yeah. not the case. And so, so seeing reality, it's a good sign. It's yeah. a good sign. It's a really and good sign. Um, the thing that I definitely got around there was like a misquote that got around on Twitter a little bit, which was like people are going to buy multiple ones, and we want this to be one of them. And people are like, aha, there's proof that uh, that Apple is going to sell this because there's this debate of like, will it be free? Will it be in a bundle with something or all that but uh that was a paraphrase and it was not accurate he doesn't say buy he says going to get mm -hmm. and he thinks people he wants people to get apple tv plus so if you have that pet theory that they're not going to charge for this which i just don't see i think they'll charge for it but i think that they'll you know make it worth your while to have a bundle with other things um but you can you can keep saying that because Tim didn't say we think they'll buy ours. He just said we he, we think they will get ours along with some of these others. Well, we can do uh, upgrade conspiracy theory time. Uh, get is the wording that Apple uses for free apps in the App Store. So huh. you know, it's okay, free. start start your conspiracies <laughs> then if you want. Let's talk about the iPhone. Um, I want to give a, a quote. This is from your, you wrote a really good piece on Six Colors about this. Uh, Apple is now turning around iPhone sales by being more active when it comes to selling those iPhones to customers. What does this mean? Yeah, the iPhone, and I, I try, it's, it's, you got to word it the right way. So that I, I struggle with this a little bit. The iPhone has sold itself. 
And I don't mean to say like I, Apple has done nothing for because Apple has made the iPhone and they've made this thing that everybody has wanted and it's mm-hmm. sold a lot. And it's not as if people aren't trying to sell the iPhone, but like the impression I get is that Apple's approach in retail, for example, has definitely been, hello, we do have the iPhone. And that's it. Like, why, yes, there is the iPhone. Would you like to buy one? We cannot make enough of these. Right. And my impression now in, in, in talking to people who work or know people who work in Apple retail is last fall, as iPhone sales were falling off the, you know, off the charts, (laughs) Apple said, oh, okay, I guess we need to push this. I guess we actually need to push the iPhone. Like all the way down. And and this wasn't just like be more aggressive about closing the sale if you're standing at a table with a customer who's looking at an iPhone. It's also things like if you're leading like a photo walk for one of these today at Apple sessions, um, take out, give everybody an iPhone XR to take their pictures and then come back in and say, yeah, did you really like the XR? You know, you could upgrade, you could do a like, like really wrapping, converting customers in the store into new purchases of iPhones strategically in a way that, believe it or not, they didn't really do much of before because they didn't need to. And I think that that what has happened is that Apple has built this immense business on the iPhone without pushing a lot of the buttons that you usually push to sell products. And now they're pushing those buttons because it's time. And it has it seems to have had an effect. So it is, uh, you know, Tim Cook went into it in the call like they are uh, they are doing trade in stuff. They're doing installment stuff. Different programs work better in different markets. They talked a lot about how installments were working well in China. Um, But uh, trade ins is a way to make this work as well. Um, Thinking about uh, you know what motivates buyers in these different markets in order to get in the end to get a new iPhone sale and you know I'm not saying that there was none of that going on before but of course of course there is but it seems to me like there was a top down review at Apple of how do we goose iPhone sales and according to Tim Cook and and Luca Maestri the CFO on that call you know, they seem to believe that this has worked and continues to work. And they're and they, they talked a lot about, which I thought was good, about learning, about how we tried this out. And we're like, we've, we've learned a lot about how in these markets, people like this, and in these markets, people like this, and we're trying things. You get the sense that Apple is like motivated now to figure out the best ways to sell the iPhone to customers, not worldwide even, but like in each market. And they're going to try a bunch of different stuff and learn from it. And that's just a level of active selling of iphone this products. is what companies that have products <laughs> to sell do like this is how right? you sell a product apple right. has just had the luxury over like a 10-year span to not have to worry about this because the it was just an incredibly desirable they, product and the iphone remains to yeah. be desirable but the market in which the iphone is sold has changed around it right like we've spoken right. about this right like the the increasing price of smartphones is is one thing as well as the uh, removal in a lot of territories of subsidies and yeah. and, and the slower pace of innovation too like you yeah. know in the early days of smartphones to a 2 year old 3 year old smartphone was horrendously out of date and that's not really the case anymore and so you've got to give people reasons to upgrade. And there, there was a time when they did. And also Apple's competitors 
are making more and more interesting products. Like, sure. they have competition. And, and when talking about the innovation, there is competition there now in a, in a way that there wasn't for a while, I think. So they are, they are having to actually sell their product. And so it's, it's just a different situation. They seem to be very happy with the trade and stuff, as you said, right? Like they were talking a lot about that. And clearly that's something we're going to see more of. Um, this is just where they are with the iPhone now. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's a tremendous luxury for them to have those buttons to push, right? I would imagine in lots of markets, you know, all the buttons are pushed immediately, right? Like you, 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 you do everything you can to sell the product, and then they, somebody comes to you and says, "We need to sell more," and you're like, "I don't even know what to do yeah, now." We're you've doing everything. All options, right? Yeah. And uh, that hasn't been the case for Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they did say something, and this is like a larger picture iPhone thing too, but I think it's related to their efforts in this side, which is. Um, what the story that Tim Cook was telling is that iPhone, everything is broken up quarterly uh, on these financial reports. And they wanted to kind of drill down a little bit and and express, give some more color, as they always say, about the sales trajectory. And what they said is that November and December were actually the worst for iPhone in terms of like their projections. And that... March was the best, and even like the last couple of weeks of March was really promising. So what they're saying is, I know it looks like we had a bad quarter followed by a bad quarter, but what we really had is a you know two really bad months and then have been recovering mm-hmm. and we continue to recover. And and that's why they said, uh, some analyst that was really uh, smart, I forget, maybe it was Shannon Cross, um, said... Um, Usually your year over year, uh, quor- you know, or usually your quarter when you go from the second to the third financial quarter, um, you go down by, uh, I don't know what the number is, like 12% or something like that. And you're only saying you're going to go down by 6% or 8%. Basically, usually the next quarter, the spring quarter, is uh, worse than the second quarter by a lot. Right. Just in the seasonality, like holiday is big, next one's lower. Next one is lower than that, and then it kind of goes back up, and then it and then it spikes again. And and what she said, this analyst said, was, but this time, it looks it looks nicer. It looks like you're not going to take as much of a revenue drop in the next sequential quarter. And they said that's because we see the iPhone turning around. We think we think you know the worst of it is past, and now we're in a positive trajectory again. And you can't see it in the quarterly data, but we see it in the you know week by week, month by month data. And that's interesting because again, they can say that and make it, it worries up, but, me. That, but then that. they but then they go to jail. So yeah. they 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 and they, and and that's why their guidance is what it is. That's why their guidance is a little bit better than you might expect. So they yeah. they feel like they've. Um, and by turned around, I don't necessarily mean that suddenly iPhone sales are going to shoot up, but I think it may mean that their they're expectations... Out, they they're out of the woods. They're getting back over to sort of flat year over year instead of down 20% or 15% year over yeah. year. And that's a big difference. Right. I hope they're right. I mean, like, you know, I know these people are super smart, but like the confidence is rocked when they messed it up so bad for right for, for Q1. Um, was it Q1 that they messed it up for? I think it was. Yeah, it's right? the holiday quarter, but that's their yeah. first financial quarter. And it's yeah. just like I hear something like that, and they're like, "Oh no, no, we've had a good month, so we're going to be good again." It's like I really hope you're right. Like, <laughs> let's not get this wrong again. Um, I wanted to ask you one question about the retail stuff, right? The yeah. trade-ins and the subsidies and the pushing in today, Apple. Do you think this might be why Angela Arons left? I don't know. 
It seems like that somebody may have gone to retail and said, we're going to do a bunch of stuff now, and it isn't what you wanted to do. And it may have been a situation where she was like, that's not what I want to do anymore. Yeah, I want to rethink the uh, retail experience, and you want me to start being a more aggressive seller of widgets. Right, she she comes yeah. up with today at Apple, which is this education program, and they're like, "Perfect, that's how we're going to sell to 10R." <laughs> yeah, just just as it's rolling out, they shift the the purpose of those um, those uh, stores mm-hmm. from oh, kind of touchy feely, holistic. Apple just needs to be present, and then everything will be taken care of. And all of a sudden, it's uh, like, no, we need to push all the sales buttons. And like this feels, I, I, having worked in impossible. retail for, for some time, this feels very clear to me now as to what happened. Like they were on a route to create an experience that was not supposed to be a store. She was actually transitioning Apple stores away from even being called stores, right? And now yep. they're like, well, yeah, but now we just want you to really push the products. And that, that clashes with the position that Arons started to build. So I wouldn't be surprised if then it was just kind of like, I don't want to do that. And they're like, okay, then we need to get somebody who will. And then maybe they parted ways amicably because of that. Like it just came to a point yeah, where everybody decided. Yeah, what you need out of these stores is not what I was hired to do. So. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. I, this, 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 I don't know. When I, when I hear them talk about it in these ways, it seems to make a little bit more sense to me as to what happened and why it happened so quickly. Certainly there was a big change in what Apple was doing on retail. And mm-hmm. I can tell you from the people I've talked to inside retail that uh, last fall was a big change. <laughs> like yep. they, they really changed how they approached everything. And last thing I want to talk about is a quote from Luca Maestri about the Mac. Uh, Maishi says, Mac revenue was $5.5 billion compared to $5.8 billion a year ago, with the decline driven primarily by processor constraints on certain particular models. <laughs> so I I popped in after I uh, transcribed this, I popped in because I was in the midst of writing my articles to the, uh, I went to the Relay Slack in, in the general channel and I and I pasted in that quote and I said, is it just me or did they just throw Intel under the bus? Yes. And, and and people haven't made as big a deal out of it as I think maybe they should have. I'm a little bit surprised. I John Gruber posted about it on Daring Fireball. Too. Yeah, so I mentioned it in my Macworld story and John posted about it on Daring Fireball. But um, I looked at that and said, um, this is, they didn't call them by name, but like by basically saying the Mac went down because of Intel. They are, and, and it's not the only one. We heard from somebody um, somebody on Twitter who I think was talking to us or a group of people we know and, and said that they work in a, doing IT in a, a company that has Dell computers and that Dell shipments were slowed down because of Intel availability. So Intel's kind of like not doing a good job in certain processor shipments across the board. But like from, from Apple's perspective, it's like we could have sold more Macs and you didn't let us. And for them to call it out on the call and basically blame someone else, blame a supplier for a failing of one of their product categories where they felt they would have been up, but they were down. That is a sign that Apple has had enough with Intel and that this is, we're just waiting for the body to hit the floor, right? Like this yep. relationship is over. It's it's going to continue, but it's it's I, it cannot be saved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially because it's been recorded, like it's well reported. That Qualcomm looks to make between four point five to four point seven billion dollars of revenue in the coming quarter because of yeah. the settlement of Apple. Like 
<laughs> and not all of that real is real mad, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, not not all of that is necessarily due to Intel's failings because there was the overarching patent question, and mm-hmm. Apple was going to have to pay patent fees to Qualcomm whether or not they used Qualcomm's processors. But the fact is, it was all precipitated on the fact that they did not have a viable competitor to Qualcomm because yep. Intel couldn't deliver. And the ARM, we know ARM Mac project has been reportedly worked on for a very long time. But I look at this where where this is Apple saying, without saying it, they are saying to the world, the Mac is being held back by Intel. That is what they're saying here. The Mac would be growing, but Intel can't get us chips fast enough. And what's the next step? The next step is that Intel won't be supplying the chips. That's what that means. How soon? Undoubtedly. Like, undoubtedly. It is not saber-rattling for the new CEO of Intel. This is Apple saying, you know what's holding the Mac back? Intel. We're going to have to solve that one. Yeah, I bet I bet you are. Do you think this changes the timeline? Uh, I think that timelines are too complicated. I, I think it may indicate that the timeline is uh, is happening sooner than some might expect. Because you would Th- think that they're, if they were still they're comfortable enough, two to three years away, they might not want to say stuff like this. Look, they're still reliant on Intel for processors for mm-hmm. Macs, like in the in the intervening time. But like if they are already, especially if some of the leaks have been maybe from the Intel side, who knows? Because Apple does need to start to uh, make deals with Intel in terms of like, here's how many chips we're going to buy. And when and where and what kind. And at some point, the writing's going to be on the wall, right? Where Apple's going to say, we don't in- anticipate buying chips from you at this volume in a year and a half or whatever. Um, but yeah, it feels to me like this is this is going to happen sooner than we think. But I don't think it's something where they can say, oh, let's put our foot on the gas now because we've really got to get out of Intel even faster. I don't think that's uh, possible. I think they've got their plans um, and they're planning on executing them. I think it's more likely that they're ready. They know how soon they're going to start making a transition. And so they're more comfortable throwing Intel under the bus for max sales and saying it's their fault, not ours. There's some wild stuff in this one. Right? I mean, for for a boring um, set of charts and graphs and a boring hour-long phone call where it's like a 40-minute monologue followed by 20 minutes of strange questions from financial analysts... There, this is why I do it, Mike. This is why I make charts, and this is why I do the transcript. <laughs> the quarterly earnings are always a dry topic. Super but dry. This year, particularly, has been really interesting because it's weird. Yeah, and I think there's always stuff. The reason I, I put the effort into doing the transcript is there is always something to be gleaned from that transcript. Nothing is said by accident. No, no. Like literally you can hear when somebody, so they read, the way it works is they read a prepared statement at the beginning. Tim reads one, Luca reads one, and then they open the call to questions. And by the way, it's interesting when they have a bad quarter and they don't have things to talk about, they open the call for questions very late. They did it a lot earlier this time. Last quarter, it was like 10 minutes of questions. Oopsie. They're like three questions. They're like, we don't even want to hear it. We don't want to talk to you. We don't want your questions. Ask a question. And if you ask a question we don't like, you're never being invited back on the call. So make sure that they're okay questions. This time, uh, they, they asked a few more questions. But every time they ask a question, you can hear in the background. And it's a much higher quality. It used to be like a speakerphone. But now it's like a high quality uh, microphone setup. It's like a more of a, po- a podcasting setup. Um I wonder if they use uh, the same. Anyway, there's a. I, I wonder what microphones they use. Anyway, of course you do. Um, they the you can hear the papers, Mike. You can hear. Oh, really? You can hear when somebody's asking a question. You can hear the as they move the papers around of like, what's my prepared answer for that? 
Wow. And sometimes they don't have it or they have it partially. And what you get from Tim Cook in those scenarios is like, well, you know, as we said, this fact that I already said that doesn't quite answer your question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in general, we think and you can see that they he's not he's not making up an answer there. He is parsing what he's what they've agreed that he's willing to say. So. So, yes, this was and this was in the scripted part, like throwing Intel under the bus was in the script. So there there we are. There we are. We are at the point where Apple is more or less openly hostile to the provider of processors on Macs, and uh, we all know where this goes next. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. If you want to save a bunch of time as a freelancer, somebody who's self-employed, and you don't want to have to deal with the mess that is invoicing anymore... FreshBooks can help you. They drastic with their wonderful tools. They have drastically reduced the time that it takes for over 10 million people to do their paperwork, and they give you tools that take so much of the hassle out of the invoicing process. With their simple cloud accounting software, you can do tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and also getting paid online. I am a big fan of FreshBooks. I've been using FreshBooks for five years. We are very close at Relay FM to sending our two thousandth invoice with FreshBooks. So, oh boy, do I know the ins and outs of this system and I would never use anything else. FreshBooks is so amazing. I love it. When you send an invoice, you can see if somebody's seen it. You can see how many times they look at it. You can see when they've printed it. It puts an end to the guessing game. They can pay you right there. And so many times, I mean, I know that our clients love it because they get an email and they can pay immediately. We have so many people that pay us immediately because it's easy to do with FreshBooks. They have, uh, I really love some of the information that they have. So when you go into a client, you can see like what is their average time that they pay you. You can have automated late payment email reminders and so much more. If you ever send invoices to anybody and you haven't tried FreshBooks yet, please give it a go. They're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial to listeners of this show with no credit card needed. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com upgrade and enter upgrade in the how did you hear about us section. That is freshbooks.com upgrade for an unrestricted 30-day free trial. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we spent the last couple of weeks talking about Guillermo Rambo's reports um, of what we're going to see at WWDC over on 9to5Mac. And we were wondering, is that going to be it? Are we going (laughs) to see anything from Mark Gurman? And yes, we did. A huge report this morning, uh, Monday the 6th, as we are recording this episode, Lots and lots of little details um, that we're going to get into. So Mark did what Mark has done for many years. And I was <laughs> I was wondering, like, did Guillermo get it all? He didn't. So iOS 13. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to run through some of this stuff. We're not going to go through everything because it's too much. Um, but I've picked out some of the things that are most interesting to me. So iOS 13 is going to continue focusing on performance and stability. That is not a surprise, uh, and I'm pleased to see it. I think everyone seemed to be really happy with that, right? Like with, yeah. with iOS 12. Yeah, this is, uh, it goes back to Apple's point that they have made a few times now, which is that iPhone, especially sales, are, uh, the sales cycle is widening, and they want to make sure that uh, if you if you have an older phone, that it still works well, mm-hmm. and they're they're so they're trying to make sure that they can have iOS still run well on old systems. I'll say this benefits Apple too because if Apple's trying to get people to upgrade through trade in, what happens to the traded in phones? Well, the answer is they get refurbished and they get 
resold either to customers or to businesses, um, but they get they get reused. And so then Apple needs the value of those older models to still be reasonable. And that means that they need to run the current version of iOS uh, well. So so it's not surprising, but it's good. It's good. It means if you hold onto your phone for three years, you can update it to the latest iOS and it's going to work well. And that's how it should be. There seems to be some visual changes to iOS kind of a, a fundamental level with what is being referred to as new animations for multitasking and opening and closing apps. Hmm. I, this is one of those things where it's like, we don't know what that means yet, and there's no more detail than that, and it feels like yeah. maybe it's something to do with whatever's happening with iPad, I think. It's like, right. It's going to be some wild yeah. stuff, so the animations need to change somehow. And apparently widgets in Notification Center will look different too. Right, which also makes me wonder if that's tied to iPad. Sometimes yep. with these reports, you get the details, but you don't get the interconnectedness of it. It's the, I always talk about the parable of the blind man and the elephant, which is like you start reporting individual features, and uh, but it's when you finally see it revealed that you're like, oh, right, I see. So like, do, do changes to widgets and notification center imply something else for where widgets might appear? Do they, will widgets appear in other places on the iPad interface, but they look different in notification center on the iPhone? We don't know. We, you know, all we all we have are, uh, I, I think if Mark Gurman knew more, he would say. Yeah. And so, you know, he's he gets a, some bits Tibbets. of information yeah. that he has to phrase in a certain way because that's all he knows. There'll be a dark mode, which we knew already, but you'll right. be able to switch on with control center. There'll be a toggling control center, which is perfect. Lovely. Right? That's, that's what you want from that. Um, mm-hmm. Something that was referred to as being in testing. There's not many of the, the these features that are referred to as this, which means that Mark is probably not that sure on it. But a swipe keyboard coming yeah. to iOS. I use swipe keyboard of Gboard all the time, and I love it. And and I would love to see Apple implement their own version of that. Yeah. Um, there will be a new health app in iOS 13, and there's also going to be some stuff in Apple Watch that we'll talk about how this ties in. Um, hearing health is going to be one of the new things added as well as an overall redesign and more comprehensive menstrual tracking, which I know is something Apple were really, really behind on when the health app came out and they've Uh added some stuff over time, but this is going to be a much, much more, uh, comprehensive system. It would seem, um, and again, there's some stuff with the Apple watch that ties into that A new reminders app, uh, Mark describes the, app is being divided into four sections um, today. So what tasks you have today, all of your tasks, your scheduled tasks, and your flagged tasks. Seems interesting. I mean, a new reminders app is a long overdue thing. And it would be, you know, I've, I've spoken about this, I would love to see Apple do to reminders what they did to notes, right, where they actually make it a compare like a competitive simple version of what right. it should be and reminders has kind of not been that for a while it's not going to pick up all the features that its competitors do but it could do potentially a better job than it's done i i i laughed at this because i use reminders as a really stupid list mm-hmm. app mm-hmm. and i look at this and i'm like oh man are you going to make this are you going to make it good and complicated and stuff yes. because i don't actually <laughs> want to use it in that way i just want it to be a place where i can put story ideas i only put my story ideas there and it's just a dumb list. That's all it is. It could be a text file, but I put it in reminders. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I, anyway. I, I think it's good. But I did have that moment of of thinking, oh, I I rely on the stupidity of reminders. Well, 
maybe that'll ha- have to change but that's okay i think it's good that apple apple should provide base a base, base feature set for apps right and sometimes it feels like they do a very simple feature set and then time moves on and the base the bar has been raised and they don't go back and raise the bar in their apps and you mentioning notes is the perfect example where the bar was raised and notes uh went to that level right they they did enough that notes is not putting other notes apps i think out of business but it is a more functional app because the truth is 95 percent of the people will use the built-in apps and mm-hmm. it makes the iphone or an ipad experience better if those apps are better new screen time features to allow parents to restrict the times of day that apps can be used seems like a natural extension and actually something that that um i struck me uh, that i could have used a lot which is limiting who can be contacted at certain times of day. I think that's a kind of interesting thing of like, you know, we're going to lock down how your iPhone gets used after a certain point. But if you need to call us, you know, your parents, Mm -hmm. you can do that. That that sort of thing is apparently going to be in there. Some changes to iMessage um, or messages to make it, you know, Apple kind of referred to on and off of like messages as like a social network. And, some apps like WhatsApp allow you to set profile information, like an image for yourself and stuff like that. Apparently, this is coming to messages, along with what is referred to, Jason, as a dedicated menu to send sticker versions of an emoji. Jason, I think they're finally making Bitmoji. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. I wanted this, right? right? I want yeah. my an emoji in environments like how I use Bitmoji every day. I don't also want to be making a face every time to exactly. get a sticker. So once they know what your Animoji looks like, they can put your Animoji in different sticker situations, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the dedicated menu thing, again, it's like, that it sounds like one, that, that's just, it's an iMessage app, surely. Like, I, I don't yeah. really know what that would mean, but I, I would be super excited to get that. Yeah. I, I have some questions about iMessage applications and if, <laughs> the, you know... Are we still doing that? Um, <laughs> well, and if we are, I mean, they they keep adjusting the interface. I wonder if they're going to adjust the interface to the point where it doesn't rec- it doesn't look anything like mm-hmm. uh, it does now. But I guess we're still doing that. So okay, the HomePod to get multi user support be interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a big one, right? I, I my HomePod is much less. I've said this on this podcast before. My HomePod's much less useful because um, like we still do all of our. Um, grocery list stuff on our amazon echo yeah and the primary reason is that although i can tie the grocery list stuff to the home pod if my phone leaves the house that functionality ceases to function <laughs> because it has to be tied to my mm-hmm. phone and what you really want is multi-user support so that uh you can either link multiple phones to the home pod or you can just link multiple apple ids to the home pod so let's hope that there's a lot of good stuff there a downloads manager in safari yeah, on iOS. Isn't that, isn't that <laughs> wild? <laughs> uh, this, you know, I could only imagine the excitement for Federico Vitici when he read that. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just like, yes, it should 100% be there. Um, and again, that's like, that is a strong indication of better understanding of the way that files are used on iOS. Right, right, right. What you mean, getting a modal dialogue anytime you tap on a file in Safari and iOS is not no, the right way want. to do it? Huh? I want to read a quote directly from Mark's report. The iPad is getting some unique features, including an updated interface for multitasking, tweaks to the home app, and the ability to cycle through different versions of the same app. So we have yet another way that multiple instances is being described, right? Now it's the ability to cycle through different versions of the same app. 
Yeah, I assume that that's what that means, right? Is that you can have different, uh, the same app, like uh, doing different things, mm-hmm. either in multitasking or in full screen in different yep. places. Uh, which it's is just like another way to describe it, which doesn't really help, right? Like this no, is, well, I, you know. and I looked at it and it's like, okay, I don't like version five. Let's go back to version four point five. <laughs> like, nope, I don't think that's <laughs> no, going to be it either. Uh, yeah, and tweaks to the home screen, which we've talked about before. Uh, what are those? What are those like? That has been out there for a long time now, for a year uh, plus, where that was going to be in iOS twelve and it didn't happen. Like, how did how does Apple reimagine what the iPad home screen looks like? Uh, Mark Gurman also confirmed some 9 to 5 reports, basically. Using the iPad as a second screen, it sounds actually just like that with the way that Mark's described it, which is surprising to me. It wasn't what I was expecting. Um, There being updates to Mail and Find My Friends to be updated and merged with Find My iPhone. So that's all in there as well. Um, So we move to the next version of Mac OS. So obviously Marzipan (laughs) running iPad apps on the Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark did talk about the fact that developers will need to also submit their apps to the Mac App Store, which is interesting, but sure, right? They're not universal yet, so like, sure, right? right? It's not the same store. Yeah, so you have to do a separate process. Yep. Um, you know, again, confirming other reports that Apple will be bringing more of their own applications like podcasts to Mac. And then one which is curious, another quote. There will also be a new Apple Music app, which is being developed as a standard Mac program. <laughs> now, there's a few things here. Program is hilarious. Uh, mm-hmm. What What does this mean? Okay, so uh, the best I can uh, I can uh, get from this and from other things that we've heard is that apparently Apple has been working on a transition of iTunes on the Mac to Apple Music for a while. Uh, And apparently that's where they're going, at least in the short term, is ripping a bunch of non-music stuff out of iTunes and calling it Apple Music, but having it be the music app that that we've been using all this time and not the iOS version. I... I find this kind of bizarre. I guess it's good news for Mac users in the short term because it means that you that we would be able to theoretically keep all of our precious uh, advanced iTunes features that the music app on iOS doesn't offer. But it is weird from the sense that like, okay, Apple, you gave us a new app using your classic development frameworks when you're in the process of moving all of these apps from iOS and you've got this app on iOS. So I look at this and I think this can't be for the long run. Like maybe maybe they're not going to bother turning music into uh, music on iOS into music on Mac via Marzipan this time because they don't need to. They've already got this other project where they're going to simplify iTunes and make it the new music app. Um, but that can't you know be for the long run, right? Like surely <laughs> eventually that is going to uh, it, it going to transition. But then again, you could look at this and say, this is Apple saying not every app is going to be Marzipan, that there will still be apps that are running uh, the old app kit uh, approach yep. to apps, yep. and that's fine. And so maybe if you if you want to view it this way, that Apple's not not saying, you know, look out five years and everything runs in Marzipan, that maybe they're saying, no, no, you know, some things on yes. the Mac will will use the old methods. Now, I look at this app and I think, why this app, though? <laughs> like, why, why? I final cut, I get it, right? Like, I get, I get it. But this app, really? Yeah, okay. it's interesting, right? Because it's like, you could get it, right? It's like, oh, okay. 
So they've broken up iTunes and then like podcasts and books. They become uh, marzipan apps because that's where that fits. And you'd be like, okay, but music is yeah. more complicated. So we had to make it as a standard Mac app. But like, why is it more complicated though? Right. Like that's what I'm yeah. interested. As you said, like, but why well, though? I, I think, I think, um, you know, if, if they built a brand new app from scratch as, uh, as app kit, that would be wild. Right. But that's not my understanding. And I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I, I have heard through the grapevine, right? Like not directly, but that my understanding is that this is not that <laughs> my understanding is that this is iTunes with pieces ripped out of it, but who knows? Like that, that's all secondhand, thirdhand, who knows what, these are all rumors at this point, but based on Mark Gurman's report, like, <laughs> what is this? And maybe that's, maybe that's it. Maybe that there was already a simplification plan underway, or they said like, you know, I think you were getting at, um, we can bring over these, these purpose-built apps from via Marzipan. So you don't need to do that in iTunes anymore. So tear that stuff out. And you know, because if you've got a TV app and you've got a podcast app, I mean, you got the, you, know, you don't need those parts of iTunes anymore. So rip them all out, simplify iTunes, make it music again. And even though it's still really iTunes, um, we'll, and we'll rename it because Apple renames, has been renaming all its Mac apps to parallel iOS for years now. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Also, any bets, uh, I'll say as a sidelight, any bets to when system preferences is going to get changed to settings? Cause I'm surprised I that hasn't about been that. changed already. I, I, me too, because they've been trying to standardize all this language. But anyway, that that sounds sounds to me like the biggest, uh, the most likely scenario is there were a lot of simple uh, unitasker apps on iOS that they could bring over to Marzipan, and then they looked at iTunes and they're like, yeah, we hmm, we can't do that. Let's just use the Mac app and take that stuff out, and that'll be okay for now. But I have a hard time believing that's a long term solution. Screen time. Stickers in messages coming to Mac OS and also only adding to the confusion, as Mark calls it, the Sir- integration with the Siri shortcuts app. Again, hasn't helped. <laughs> don't know what that means. That doesn't help. Not nope. helped. <laughs> nope. Don't, don't know what that means. Doesn't, doesn't mean help. so the, the root of this and the, the mystery is we don't know whether adding Siri shortcuts to the Mac is a thing or whether they're also adding the shortcuts app to the Mac with Marzipan and what that means in terms of automation. It's unclear Mm -hmm. and it continues to be unclear. Maybe the Siri team is better at keeping secrets than other parts of Apple. I don't know. And the Apple Watch. Apple Watch is going to get an app store. You say, but the Apple Watch already has an app store. It's on my phone. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's going to be on the watch. (laughs) Yeah. On one level, it makes sense, right? Because what you want is you want to be able... I've had those moments where I'm like, oh man, I don't have this app. I didn't, I didn't sync it over or whatever. And I'm, I'm, and I'm on my Apple Watch. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to go to the phone and all that. So on that level, like making the Apple Watch more independent makes sense to me. You've but then I try it, to imagine right? like, what does an app store on the watch look it's gonna like? Be a, it's going to be very difficult. But like you, you, over time, you have to increase the independence of the device. And Agreed. putting an app store on it for as peculiar as that may end up being is something that eventually you do need to do. I mean, remember when the iPhone wasn't standalone? <laughs> like it was not that long ago when the iPhone uh, had to tie into a computer yep. and they made great efforts to make that not the case anymore. And the iPad too. And I think the Apple Watch, although it's still you know fundamentally very tied to iPhones, making it more independent, especially now that you have a cellular model, that does not have to be anywhere mm-hmm. where the iPhone is. So if I'm out and about with only my watch and I want to 
do something on an app that I didn't sync to my Apple Watch, being able to say, hey, watch, uh, download this app and have it bring it up in the App Store and have me install it. Uh, that's That's great. Also, there's some weirdness in the fact that the Apple Watch App Store is kind of just a weird subset of the app the iphone app store Mm. and maybe there's a better way to streamline that where it's you know it's kind of treated as its own thing um i don't know uh interesting move but i think the right direction so there's going to be some new uh health apps for the apple watch one is called dose inside of apple whether that will be the actual name or not which is a pill reminder application which i would greatly benefit from because i always forget to take my pills and another one called cycles which is to track menstrual cycles on the apple watch so these are a couple of additional apps that will be added that tie back into the health focus stuff we were talking about earlier uh james thompson's in the chat room probably because uh they're gonna make a calculator app for the apple watch apparently <laughs> uh, which is up, and people you know. said that he was unreasonable to put a calculator on the apple watch people called him uh, one of these wacky developers, mm-hmm. who, which he is, because he does put everything on every platform. There is a calculator for Apple TV too. That he it did, makes but, so much uh, sense. There yeah, are calculator watches, right? Like that's that's a thing that yeah, exists, you, right? Know? Yeah, I had one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it is about time that they do it. Uh, but I bet it won't have bananas and 3D it, about screens. Probably not. Probably not. Unless that's unless those are the things that you need to have a calculator on the Apple Watch, like that's part of what you actually need. But we'll find out. Um, voice memos that should already be there, and a books app. I read that. I was like, wait, what? It's like, oh, for audiobooks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're just sitting there reading I'm War just and reading Peace on my, on my Apple Watch. Yeah. Uh, no audiobooks like syncing syncing books. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because it's a audio focused thing, and people will want mm-hmm. like in the same way you'd listen to podcasts. You know, I know that Marco talks about how like one p- fraction of one percent of people use the uh, Apple Watch app mm-hmm. with uh, playback for Overcast, but I use it all the time. I, I every time I walk the dog, I just don't take my well, you're part of the cellular Apple Watch. I, I am. It's just. I, it surprises me because I, I leave my iPhone behind. I go walk the dog. I've got my AirPods in. I listen to podcasts on my Apple Watch, um, and it's great. So I'm surprised that more people don't do that. But the, you know, the Apple Watch is a it, it is a product with very specific appeal in some ways, and it's also super early. I think even now in the life cycle of a product like this, it's it's still a very primitive device in a lot of ways. As advanced and amazing as it is to have a computer on our on our wrists, it's still, you know, super early days for the Apple Watch. Especially when you call it what you just called it, a computer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, and again, to take us back to the iPhone, like the early iPhone had lots of places where it was just kind of non-functional. And you're like, oh, a device like this should be able to do this. And the answer was, well, yeah, but not yet. We're not there yet. And the, I, Apple Watch is still there for a lot of things. There's still a lot of big chunks that every year they can kind of like tear off of like, oh, yeah, finally the Apple Watch does this. And I feel like we're, we're, we're still there and we're going to be in there for, uh, for years yet. And several new watch faces... So these are listed. Gradient, Good. the face that makes a gradient color. Uh, extra large shows jumbo numbers. California as a dial name, which has a classic watch face style, which mixes Roman numerals and Arabic numerals. So okay. regular numbers and Roman numbers, right? Like as you would see them. Uh, a redesigned solar analog watch face that looks like a sundial. And an infograph subdial watch face that includes larger complication views like a stock market chart or the weather. 
Um, yeah. I think that this says that still no third party watch faces. Yeah, this. The, so the problem I have with this is that okay, new watch faces. That's great. But the thing that last year was very clear to a lot of us who watch this stuff is Apple has not spent enough time on its old watch faces and making them better. And so they have like all sorts of faces that don't have functionality that the new like they're my go to face. I can't put on my current Apple Watch. Not well, I can, but I can't do anything new with it because they didn't update it. It's just it's dumb. So uh, new watch faces is great, but I'm still going to be disappointed if they haven't uh, really shown that they're going back and they're updating the existing watch faces to make them better. Um, I don't need third-party watch faces. That would be fine and all. But what I really want to see is that if there aren't going to be third-party watch faces, Apple needs to be better committed to keeping their maintaining the existing watch faces. So we'll see. Yeah, we will see. Uh, and also, last part that I wanted to just call out because it's like thrown away in there, but it's important to many people listening to the show. For this year, Apple has been considering debuting a revamped Mac Pro desktop computer. It's also readying a new external monitor, codenamed J290, with high dynamic range support, so colors look much better. Okay. Maybe. Maybe Mac Pro, right? Maybe. Yep, maybe. So there's a lot of stuff in here. I mean... Yeah. If we it's get gonna be this big. stuff... It's going to be big. Big old WWDC, especially when you think, like, Marzipan is one bullet point on this, but that is going to be a huge, <laughs> huge part of the presentation. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, the fact is that uh, one of the truths of WWDC keynotes is sometimes they'll spend five minutes on a feature that nobody ever talks about again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there'll be one little item on a slide that's got a hundred items on it that has the uh, will change the face of how millions of people use their devices. Yeah. And in the moment, sometimes you can tell and sometimes you can't tell. Like uh, sometimes it's just sort of like, wow, look at this new feature. And then uh, we never talk about it again. So uh, that's one of the great things about WWDC and I'm looking forward to it. All right. So we should do some hashtag ask upgrade questions before we, we wrap up today. But before we do, let me thank Eero for their support of this show. With Eero, you can build a Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored to your home. We live in a world today where we're all streaming TV shows with dragons in them every single day. It feels like uh, that don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, So when you've got all that stuff going on in your home, you want high quality streams and you still want to be able to go on Instagram and somebody's downloading something in another room, you need a distributed system in your home to make sure that everybody has the best speeds available. And this is what you can get with Eero. You can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. It starts with the second-generation Eero device that has three 5 gigahertz radios, which allows for increased speed and range. It sits flat on any surface. You can connect it via Ethernet or wire. And then you can use Eero beacons, which are these little devices that plug right directly into the wall to expand coverage to any room in your home. So you can expand to your entire house in every corner. Um, Eero also has Eero Plus now as well. So as well as their incredible hardware, they have software solutions that go along with it. This is designed to provide simple, reliable security to help defend the devices in your home from malware, phishing, and unsuitable content. Eero Plus can automatically tag sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content. So you have great parental controls at your fingertips. You can have ad ad blocking functionality to help improve load times for websites that are full of privacy invading ad tracking. And it's also possible to have Eero Plus check the sites that you visit against the data base of millions of unknown threats to prevent you from visiting anything malicious. Eero Plus even includes subscriptions to 1Password, Malwarebytes, and Encrypt.me as well. Jason, I believe you uh, live in an Eero home. 
I do. And that's how my all my devices, I was realizing that um, I even have devices in places where I haven't considered that I have devices because I have a sprinkler controller. I have a smart sprinkler controller. And now that we have entered the dry season here in California, I had to reconnect it and it's on HomeKit and it's got its own app. And I had that moment where I thought, right, I need to make sure that my Wi-Fi uh, reaches that area because it's like back, it's outside behind our bedroom. And, uh, but Eero's got it covered because we have uh, three different Eero devices in three different places. And as a result, we've blanketed the entire, our entire lot with Wi-Fi. So I can sit in the backyard now that it's dry season. It's also warmer. I can sit back there. My Wi-Fi is fast. My camera that is in the driveway, it gets a solid Wi-Fi signal. And of course the, uh, the side yard with the, uh, with the sprinkler controller is, uh, is solid, which means that I can just use that app to set up uh, when I'm watering the grass and it's all taken care of. And I didn't even have to worry about it because the, you know, every, everywhere that I have this house has Wi-Fi now because of Eero. Everywhere, everywhere I have my house, I have the Wi-Fi. Yes, all the places I keep my house and my yard <laughs> have Wi-Fi. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons package and a year of Eero Plus by going to Eero.com slash Ahoy and at checkout using the promo code Ahoy. That's E-E-R-O dot com slash A-H-O-Y and the code Ahoy to get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons package and one year of era plus so thanks to Eero for their support of this show and relay fm and jason snell give me some good lasers our first hashtag ask upgrade question this week comes from lonnie how do you clean your airpods uh it feels like an impossible thing honestly especially the case like yeah you know I, I, I have will. a little cleaning loop that I got mm-hmm. with my uh, with my fancy headphones, and it's like a little, very tiny, like a uh, little loop of metal, mm-hmm. and you can use it kind of as a scraper. So I will do that occasionally, or like a thumbtack, like a pin. I use <laughs> just a... try to sk- scrape on that. It's it's not it's hard, or or you blow blow in. Them. I use a sim ejector tool to try and get like the lint out of the case. You oh, know, yeah. like th- those sure. things. They're pretty good. Yeah. It's a little pokey thing, yeah. It's hard. It's hard, but I do try to do that um, every now and then when I when I see that they're kind of kind of dirty. I do that all the time with my in ear headphones that I use for podcasting for obvious reasons, and so you know I do think about it for for the AirPods from time to time. It hasn't AirPods, been a big problem though. AirPods are the grossest Apple product ever made. They just get yeah. gross. Oh, There's nothing you can do I, about it. And we it. didn't even mention that story that I think is probably Don't fake about, about the guy it. who swallowed an AirPod. Don't want to talk about and it. it. And it, and after it came out the other end, it still worked. Don't want to talk about Never, it. Uh, I just want to say that's one of the greatest headlines John Gruber has ever written. Because basically he said, this is why you can never use used AirPods. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 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 <sighs> personal, personal devices. Personal Steve electronics. asks, if you could pick... One company for Apple to purchase to beef up its content for Apple TV Plus, who would it be and why? I want to give this a slight twist, Jason, because I know we've spoken yeah. about the fact that there's not a lot. Uh, in this instance, I will allow for you to be able to pick anything that might be bundled into some other company, right? Like you just imagine sure. Apple could go in to any company and pick out any piece they wanted. Who would it be? Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm just going to say Apple will buy um, the combined CBS Viacom company, which is, you know, they're not, they're separate, but they're, they have the same owners. <laughs> um, I think that's, I think that's one of the largest swaths of content that currently is out there, not run by an enormous company where Apple could just pay cash for them. 
and they get a lot of content. They get a huge catalog. Now, they're going to own a TV network at that point, which I imagine they will sell off to someone. Yeah. Like a Dis- Disney, this is something I was thinking about for upstream, but Disney just sold off all the Fox Sports stuff. All the Fox Sinclair. Sports stuff. Well, that was, manda- that was mandated by Antitrust, the government. Right? Yeah. But um, they also let... Rupert Murdoch and his family keep the Fox broadcast network. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine the other way to do it, either if Apple bought CBS Viacom, either they would leave the network behind and that would be sold somewhere else, or they would take it and then immediately sell it off. Sort of depends on what the negotiation was. But I feel like that gives them a lot of content and that is and uh, studios. And that's what they want. They would pick up all of the Comedy Central and Adult Swim. And they, I mean, they would get a bunch of content. They get Star Trek. They get... They get uh, CSI or whatever uh, they get all those shows they get lots of lots of content that they could put up and I feel like that it's between that and Sony Pictures Entertainment are like the two biggest providers of content that are just sitting out there uh, probably too small to fend for themselves yeah I think Sony's an interesting one too though right like that that would be kind of cool but they have less now which is the problem right yeah, but they still, I mean, they still have a whole studio, you know, they've got, yeah. they've got TV and movie studio, um, and a lot of content and that would be, that's another, you know, additive purchase that would be, you know, would be okay. Of course, at that point, Apple would own, if Apple bought Sony, they would own the, um, like the Spider-Man movies <laughs> and things like that, which is like, okay, Apple's going to release Spider-Man movies now, but maybe, maybe. Yeah, Sony would be trickier, I reckon, for them to try and pick up because like what? Uh, is Sony Pictures even separated from Sony? No, Sony would have to sell it. Yeah, Sony would yeah. have to want to sell it. Yeah, which I in, in a way that with Viacom National Amusements, I don't, I don't know what the deal is with Sumner Redstone's family and all that, but I think that's one of those things where um, I imagine that Apple would come with a bag of cash and they'd be like, "Okay, good, done, sold." Martin wants to know, Jason, are you using the new reading list feature in Marvel Unlimited? I am not. What is it? I, I, I don't. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I'm not using it. All right, I'm not using it. Maybe that's maybe that's a thing that lets you uh, add uh, items like in a queue or something like that. I tend to just go in Marvel Unlimited and flip around and find new things that I want to read, and that's what I how I use it. Or I search for a character or a series or something that strikes my fancy. I, 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 I don't have my comic reading um, organized that well, to be honest. And I kind of haven't been reading a lot of comics the last few weeks, so I've kind of let it slide. So I don't know. What series are you enjoying right now, though? I have been enjoying the uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot that Boom Studios is doing, where they're basically retelling Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the modern day, which is fun because it's a remix, basically, of Buffy for the present, which is, uh, it's just kind of fun to see somebody who obviously knows the source material and loves it and then is trying to adapt it for what life is like in the 21st century instead of in the, you know, the late 90s, which was when Buffy was, was set. Um and let's see, I uh, we just did an incomparable episode a few weeks ago about Paper Girls, which is a really good comic that has a little Apple, some Apple references in it that are kind of wacky and fun. And it uh, it the, the pitch is that it's an 80s, it's almost like an 80s movie. It's almost like the Goonies or something like that, where it's a bunch of girls who have paper routes um, and it's the 80s. And then, and it's like the night after halloween and then some very very weird things happen and i will say that if uh you expect it to be an 80s nostalgia trip comic it very rapidly becomes something else and that's all i'll say but that's there there are like five trade paperback versions of that so paper girls is another one people could check out 
And finally today, a question from Nate. How often do you charge your iPad? The more I find myself using mine as a laptop and going to it instead of my iPhone where I can, I find the battery drains way faster than I would expect it to. I I unplug my iPad in the morning mm-hmm. when I get up from bed. Or when I don't. When I when I start reading in bed in the morning before I go and, and, and get my tea and all of that. And I don't plug it back in until the end of the day. Yep. And I haven't had any problems. I would say with my iPad Pro, um, it's like every day and a half, right? That I'm put plugging it oh, in. Wow. You know, I, I don't plug my iPad in on a, on a, a schedule the way I do my iPhone. I just wait until it gets low and then I plug it in. Oh, I, I do it. I do a daily schedule, but mm. I will say, and this is probably to Nate's point, if I'm using the iPad all the time through the day, which I'm not, uh, yeah, it might get. I might notice that it gets low and I might plug it in at that point. But I don't. I don't generally use it all the time, all day, because I have my. Um, iMac that I'm sitting in front of for a big chunk of the day, like yeah. I am right now. Yeah, but I would say the iPad Pro it it gets what it should what it says it gets that 10 hour battery I think life so. like it gets that for me. So, and I feel like the iPad kind of always has, and it, yep. they don't seem to want to change that, and I'm fine with it because that's more than enough. All right, don't forget upgradeyourwardrobe.com. This could be your last chance to get your hands on some Dongle Town Surf Club merchandise, so you can be the coolest person. Uh, at the beach this year I'm saying <laughs> I don't know if it's cool but we like it I think the design's great I'm really really happy with what we've been able to do with this stuff uh-huh. so you can go get yourself some t-shirts or some tank tops tote bags or towels tease <laughs> tanks totes and towels over at upgradeyourwardrobe.com you can find our show notes this week at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 244 or in your podcast app of choice you can find Jason at sixcolors.com and he's at Jason L on Twitter J-S-N-E-L-L I am at iMike I-M-Y-K-E thank you again to our sponsors the fine folk at Eero FreshBooks and Borrow but most of all thank you for listening if you'd like to send in a question for us to answer at the end of the show hashtag askupgrade is the way to do that and if you want to help open the show hashtag snell talk is the way to do that we'll be back next week where we're probably going to talk about keyboards so Hmm. i know that a lot of you like that so (laughs) we'll be back next week until then say goodbye jason snell